while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Good evening. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back later in the week. But to start the 8 o'clock hour, I'm joined by Sabrina Silvati. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? Good evening. How are you? Good. Um, so before we get started, I was just hoping you could briefly introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, so I'm Sabrina Salvati. I'm the host of Savvy Saps podcast. I also co-host a podcast called Revolutionary Blackout Network. Both are on YouTube, Rockfin, and Rumble. So um, uh, it's fair to say that, um, you know, from your podcast and your commentary comes from uh, a leftist perspective, and I've seen you recently um, be critical of Bernie Sanders um, uh, for his quick endorsement of Joe Biden, among other things. Uh, you know, my understanding is Bernie Sanders was uh, fairly important um, to uh, any sort of uh, leftism building momentum in um, the, you know, American political realm. Uh, can you tell us why you've been critical of uh, Senator Sanders? Absolutely. I think Bernie Sanders has been the biggest disappointment in reference to the progressive movement in this country. Um, he has not once but twice uh, sold out his supporters when he had his campaign in 2016 and he lost to, to Hillary Clinton. He told us to vote for Hillary Clinton so we wouldn't get Donald Trump. We got Donald Trump anyway. Same thing happened when he ran against Joe Biden in 2020. He told us to vote for Joe Biden so we wouldn't get Donald Trump. So the problem that has has happened with someone like Bernie Sanders is that he mobilized thousands of people across this country to fight for a progressive movement. He said we are going to have a political revolution. Uh, I heavily supported Bernie Sanders. I know people who canvassed for him, who knocked on doors for him, who phone bank for Bernie Sanders, because we really believed that he was going to continue this fight with his movement like he told us he was going to. He said that if he lost in 2020... He would still be outside with his people and his movement. That has not happened. Uh, what we have seen Bernie Sanders do is go along with Democrat Party establishment. We've seen him make excuses for Joe Biden when there was no excuses to be made. We've seen him now recently, recently choose to endorse Joe Biden instead of even trying to endorse one of the more left-leaning candidates that are primary challenging Joe Biden at this point in time. Bernie Sanders has turned out to be a sheepdog for the Democratic Party. And the sad part about it is that I saw a lot of young people, a lot of young energy, really excited and passionate about politics in this country because of the Bernie Sanders movement. And to see him cave, he let a lot of people down and a lot of people have walked away from it. Well, isn't it? Uh, isn't it because he's sort of a steadfastly believes in sort of a harm reduction approach to po uh, politics? Like while he's here, he's going to do the best he can to move things in that uh, in a in a more progressive uh, in a more progressive direction. Doing the best that he could to produce things in a more progressive direction would have meant him continuing his movement on with his people. What Bernie Sanders has done is he has allowed the progressive movement 
particularly in D.C. with congressmen and congresswomen, move further to the right. We have seen squad members who also consider themselves to be progressives. We saw them cave to Democrat establishment when it comes to legislation. And so the progressive movement isn't even a movement anymore. It doesn't even make sense to use the term progressive for people to describe themselves anymore because now you have you have politicians like Jim Clyburn saying that he's progressive. He's not. He's corporate and he's establishment. So Bernie Sanders let that happen where there were thousands of people that were still willing to fight. And that's the problem with Bernie Sanders. He was never going to be this radical figure that he said he was going to be. And I think it was very wrong of him to take money from working class people who some of them did not have it to give. I saw people give Bernie Sanders their last $10 because they really believed that he was going to fight for Medicare for all for them in this country. He took that money from those people. And then in the end, when he lost, he turned over his email list to the DNC. So now all of us that were supporting Bernie Sanders and the progressive movement, we're getting contacted by corporate Democrats that we had never supported and we were never contacted by before. So Bernie Sanders, even though he is a registered independent, he is a sheepdog for the Democratic Party. He fuels up young energy to get young people excited, and then he funnels them right back into the Democratic Party. That's not a movement. That's being complacent. And that's allowing the Democrat establishment to continue the status quo. Who do you think um, you, 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 you talked about he, he could have idea, he could have supported more um, progressive uh, primary challenges to Joe Biden. Has anybody emerged in that field yet? Marianne Williamson is primary yeah. challenging Joe Biden and right. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is primary challenging Joe Biden. And when Marianne Williamson announced, although I disagree with her on her policy positions, some of them. When she announced Bernie Sanders' response is, she'll run a good campaign, I'm endorsing Joe Biden. So um, with respect to RFK, I know you had some commentary about this, but he had come out and said, um, you know, his great uncle, uh, his great uncle Jack um, was, uh, you know, who was assassinated in Dallas in 1963, was, uh, it was, it was orchestrated by the CIA, um, now, you know, obviously I think mainstream media has jumped on that as an extremist position. Um, what's your position on that? I don't think there's anything extreme about that. I agree. Um, when we look at some of the, the more radical revolutionary leaders that we've had in this country in the past, recently there have been reports that have come out about Malcolm X death, that the FBI and the NYPD killed Malcolm X. Uh, Fred Hampton, we found out yes. two, two years ago, I believe it was, that the FBI killed uh, Fred Hampton. So, you know, Robert yeah. F. Kennedy Jr., he sounds like to me when I saw him interview about this, he sounds like he had information to show that this is true. So none of that would surprise me. Um, I don't think it's radical. But, of course, mainstream media, they have to follow the State Department uh, narrative. That's how they get to keep their jobs. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's large. I think it's also largely sort of it's I think becoming people are more familiarized with the idea. I think that the uh, the FBI may have had a role in the assassination of of, uh, of Martin Luther King uh, as well. Is it your position that the that uh, JFK was a uh, revolutionary and one that would threaten the CIA enough uh, to um, for them to sort of take up? pretty big risk in, you know, taking down a, a sitting U.S. president. I don't know 
if I would call JFK a revolutionary, but I do know the views and some of the goals, some of the things he wanted to accomplish for that point in time uh, were pretty radical. Uh, today, it would not be so radical. But during that point in time, him deciding to, you know, meet with, with Dr. King and to follow that type of, of rhetoric, people have to remember in this country that during the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement was actually not popular. And so although we celebrate Dr. King's holiday today and people are more understanding about it, at that point in time, that was actually not the case. And so someone who had the rhetoric that JFK had, uh, he was more of our Bernie Sanders before there was a Bernie Sanders, actually. During that time, that was considered to be threatening. So it doesn't surprise me that one of these these agencies would want to, um, you know, murder JFK or... Uh, Robert Kennedy. It, it doesn't surprise me at all. And think about where this country would be today if they had survived. We're speaking with uh, Sabrina Salvati. She's the host of the Savvy Sabs podcast. Um, so uh, with respect to, um, uh, I know the, the so uh, I mean, RFK, he's had his, his, I mean, his position on the CIA, again, I, I think that's something that could be explored. I think a lot of people have criticized him for his uh, anti-vaxxer status. Um, he's a, been a big uh, skeptic of the, um, of the widespread, you know, this sort of dissemination or proliferation of vaccinations. Um, I believe he's part of the, you know, the vaccinations, uh, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccinations uh, cause uh, autism. I know that there's, by and large, um, there are a lot of people in the in the sort of in the progressive left uh, that don't agree with that. Does that still make him? Does you know that does does that disqualify him as a candidate, or do you think that um, actually uh, is is uh, is something that uh, is a is a plus? I don't think it disqualifies him. That was actually not a concern. Uh, when I covered his announcement on the ground in Boston, most of the people I spoke to had no concern over that. That was not what they were focused on. They were there to support his announcement because of his anti-war stance. So that was something that people are, more people are becoming more passionate about. And also the fact that he was willing to call out the CIA, even in his announcement speech, and he's an environmental lawyer, so he has helped, you know, black and brown communities that have been, you know, destroyed because of environmental catastrophes that the U.S. government chose to, to overlook. Places like a Flint, Michigan, or right now in Jackson, Mississippi, or East Palestine, Ohio, right now. So his work speaks for itself. Even though mainstream media continues to bring that up, that's just an effort to smear uh, RFK Jr. They did the same tactic with Bernie Sanders and tried to say he was going to take your health care away. This is what they do. They don't want anyone in office that's actually going to try to help the people. So I think that with RFK Jr., what I have noticed with him is that he seems to have appeal across political ideologies. Mm. I have been contacted by people that are leftists, people that are Republicans, people independents, people are liberals who are willing to support him just simply because of his anti-war stance alone. So that is a big one. What people have to understand, regardless of how he feels about vaccines, none of that really matters if we have a nuclear war. And if we don't stop the war machine in this country, that is exactly where we are headed. 
So one of the things RFK is going to, a trouble, uh, problem he's going to run into is he's not going to get earned media. Um, the DNC said they're not even going to host debates, right? So he, what, what will be the key to uh, an, effect, um, an effective or even formidable primary challenge to the sitting president um, with sort of the media establishment uh, against him? I mean, Bernie Sanders, for at, at, at the very least, was able to get on CNN. He was able to get on the major cable networks. He was also able to participate in debates with Hillary Clinton, in debates with Joe Biden, and get more uh, airtime and more exposure to the people that uh, there. So what would be the key to an RFK victory, given that uh, he's going to have, I think, more significant roadblocks than, than Bernie Sanders did? He will not have victory through the Democratic Party. And this is the piece that people under, have to understand. I like a lot of the issues on his platform, but even I said that he should not run through the Democratic Party. Uh, even if he were to make it uh, further enough He's going to run into the issue of the superdelegates. This is how they cheated Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. So people have to go back to the DNC fraud lawsuit from 2000 to 2016 election. The Democratic Party argued in court that they have every right to choose candidates from a back room. The Democratic Party is not a party. It is a, corpor- a corporation. And they argued this. So what people have to understand is, If you are a voter and you're going to vote, you think that you're really making a difference. But at the end of the day, the DNC can decide not to let that candidate with the most votes be the nominee. And they won that case. So people have to really understand that the system itself is corrupt. Why is it corrupt? Because there's big money in electoral politics. These parties actually belong to corporations. They belong to Wall Street and they belong to the military industrial complex. They do not belong to the voters. And until you remove corporate money from electoral politics, we will always run into this problem. So what I would like for RFK Jr. to do, if he does decide to stay within the Democratic Party and run, he needs to do what's called a dirty break. He needs to break away from the Democratic Party and run as an independent. Now, obviously, there's hurdles running as an independent, but the difference is it will make a statement. This is something I think that Donald Trump would do. I think Donald Trump would do that. He would make that scene and say, oh, you're not going to let me be the nominee and you're going to let Ron DeSantis. OK, I'm going to do a, bro- a dirty break and I'm going to run as an independent. We need someone who is willing to push back against the system and the powers that be. And so far, we have not had anyone that is willing to do that. And that includes Bernie Sanders. So I was you, you talked about um, uh, having a firm uh, anti-war stance. Um, I understand that uh, you're critical of the war in uh, Ukraine or in the U.S.'s and NATO's uh, efforts to back the Ukrainian government against um, uh, against Russia. Yes. Well, so I had Congressman Bill Keating on. Uh, he's our congressman. He sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, chairs a subcommittee in Europe. Uh, Eurasia um, and the environment, and he, he had said that uh, essentially, if we were to, if 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 the Ukraine was to, uh, it, I mean, if the Ukraine was to lose their effort in fighting back the Russian invasion, uh, Putin has made it clear he's going to expand into the our NATO allies, and by treaty, we're going to be engaged in a full fledged uh, war with Russia. Um, and I, Jake Auchincloss, I've had him on. He said uh, he said uh, something pretty similar to that. What is um, what do you think the United States' option should be 
with respect to um, handling or not handling the situation in Ukraine uh, with Russia? The correct response should have been to call for diplomacy months ago. That's what have, should, should have happened. Now, there should have been peace negotiations earlier on, but as it has been revealed from those leaked documents from the Pentagon, that was never the intention. That was never the plan. The plan was to continue this war at least throughout this year. And people have to understand that there's a money grab here. This is something that enriches the military-industrial complex. Like, if, if, if war did not bring about profit for the MIC, we wouldn't have wars. This is all about profit and there's no money in peace. So what people have to have to really understand is that, first and foremost, Ukraine is not going to win this war. There is no way they can beat Russia. Russia has an ally very close to it called China, and they are very close. And all it would take is for Putin to reach out to Xi Jinping and say, join me in this effort. And that is a wrap. We have to understand that Vladimir Putin has nuclear weapons. He is not afraid to use them. He's made that very clear. This should have never happened. But what people also have to understand is that all three parties are to blame here. That includes NATO, that includes Ukraine, and that includes uh, Russia. Ukraine did provoke Russia. So I don't want people to feel like Russia just invaded just because. Ukraine has been provoking Russia for years, inching their border closer and closer to their territory. So that is, that's one of the problems. NATO was not supposed to expand in that direction. That was one of the agreements after the fall of the Berlin Wall. But it did anyway. What we have now is a proxy war that is a money-making machine. And we see companies like BlackRock have made agreements to set up shop in Ukraine. That's all this is about right now. By the time this is all over, when you hear people make the statement that we will fight until the last Ukrainian, that means they're willing to fight until everyone in Ukraine is dead. By the time this is all over, Ukraine's economy will be wrecked. There is no, there's no plus in this for Ukraine. And meanwhile, the United States government has been giving them billions and billions of dollars to try to win a war that they can't win, while the people here in this country are struggling just to pay rent and they don't have health insurance. So people really have to make the distinction here. And I want people to really grasp the fact that this is all about money. If there was no money involved to be made here, this would not be happening. The goal is not necessarily to win. The goal is to have a long war and funnel money in the process. That is what this is about. Speaking with Sabrina Silvati, she's the host of the Savvy Sabs podcast. Sabrina, I, I appreciate you joining me this evening. I appreciate your perspective and uh, sharing it with us on the air on these important topics. And I hope to have you back on uh, again soon. Um, before I let you go, where can people go um, to uh, see and listen to uh, your work? Yes, you can find me on YouTube. My channel name is Savvy Sabs, and you can also find me on Revolutionary Blackout Network, also on YouTube. Appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sabrina Salvati, appreciated her perspective. Uh, I think one that's a little bit different from uh, the usual politicos that we have here on South Coast tonight. Uh, 508-996-0500. I'm here till 10. Give me a call or shoot me an app chat message. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me. Good evening. 
How you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad. Uh, I like what you said at the, the end of that, um, you know, especially about the Ukraine war. You know what I mean? It's like totally spot on to what I've been saying since the war started. And, um, you know, it's just sad that we're over here struggling and they're following money all over the place. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting point to bring up uh, talking about the uh, military industrial complex, too, and and how, you know, like basically just caught the end of her story. So, yeah, yeah, she basically said, you know, since it's profitable for the military industrial complex, that's like the primary reason that they're engaged in this type of conflict, which, you know, when we talk about the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war, a lot of people say, well, it was a failure, right? You know, the, the objective was a failure. But ultimately, I think we've all learned that the ultimate objective of the Iraq and Afghanistan war was to enrich a certain number of, of people, which are oil interests yeah. in, in the military industrial yeah. complex. And they did that and, you know, they did that uh, uh, thousands of times over, millions oh. of times over. And so right now, right now, though, a lot of this money is being funneled, you know, crookedly, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on! There's, there's so much corruption. I can't even think of it right now. It's, you know, I got to write it down to read it. I need a I need a half hour to explain it. Right. It's just ridiculous. It's right in front of our eyes, and nobody's doing nothing about it. Yeah. Nobody's talking about Hunter's connections, the money, yo, from there. Nobody's talking about Biden's connection, Joey Boy. You know what I mean? The big guy, all that. It's right in front of our eyes. The FBI got the proof. They don't want to do nothing with it. You know what's going to happen. Everything's going to get dismissed. It's going to get swept under the rug. This is going to be blown up. And it's really sad. You know, we're going to sit back and pay for this through probably the next two or three presidents. So God bless America. Wake up, people. Yeah, I... I I, I yeah I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean it's you know I I think that's it's hard to disagree with with um I think a lot of the things she said about how uh you know the military industrial complex is profiting and will continue to profit off of this and you know that being a motivator. Um I you know I think that. You know, we had Congressman Keating on a while back, uh, two, three months ago. Um, I think it was around the time that the Ukrainian war had reached its one year, uh, the war in Ukraine, whatever you want to call it, had reached its uh, one year uh, anniversary. Um, he had talked about, and we didn't have time to get into this, the the sort of the significant casualties, uh, the significant casualty discrepancy between the Ukraine and and the um, and the uh, Russia and Ukraine has had the upper hand in that so far. But um, you know what Sabrina had said is essentially that the Ukraine won't be able to sustain um, whatever success they may have uh, in this, and that ultimately, you know, um, it's not going to uh, it's going to be disastrous for the region or for the country. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. What's up, Marcus? Hey, what's up, John? Uh, the Afghanistan war, uh, the objective was a failure. And I can attest because I was in it. Mm-hmm. Because we had our hands tied the whole entire time we were there for 13 months. Obama took 
all the all the <clears throat> grenades, all the explosive, you know, the incendiary rounds we had. He took everything from us because the objective was in our region was to win over the hearts and minds of the of the civilians, of the locals that were there. And I can't even I can't even begin to describe to you, okay, the the, the crap that I saw over there that we literally couldn't do nothing about. Kids, the kids getting, you know, I, we we were, I don't even know, Marcus. Like it's it these, we were working with an ANA. They're called ANAs. They're uh, Afghan National Army, okay. and they were staged. We had like, I don't know, maybe 40, 40 dudes that were in that Afghan National Army. We were supposed to be training them, okay. And every night they would bring over that that that. National Army was so corrupt. I mean, you think that our government and our army, or, or you know, military and everything is corrupt? Take a look at their army and their their government. It's unbelievably corrupt. You know, their their generals and their higher ups are, are bringing in little kids. I mean, I witnessed it with my own two eyes, and everybody else in my platoon did too. We we were watching them bring in truckloads, like in the back of their little Toyota Tacomas, okay, of kids at in the middle of the night. From the, from the villages that we were that were nearby our, our, our base, they bring them right into right into where they were staying and I, on our hill that we took we took over a hill from the Canadians because they 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 were getting phased out. So we we went and we, we relieved them when we first got there, you know. Right. And uh, they ended up, you know, the the Canadians were like, "Oh, good luck, good luck," you know. You'll see what's going on over here, and I'm like, "Oh boy," you know. But. Uh, yeah, these these Afghan National Army guys, man, those they were so they were raping and, little kids. And you and you you weren't you were in a position where you you couldn't do anything about it because nothing, you couldn't do anything because that's that's their culture. That's part of their culture. The only thing you can do is kind of talk to them about it and say, hey, you know, that's not right what you're doing. Really, you know what I mean? Like our, our higher ups, you know, we we were allowed to talk to them, but we weren't allowed to like advise them because, like, you know, the the our higher ups would would talk to their higher ups and that's the way they would communicate but you know you that they would just tell you hey man you know this is this is part of our culture this is what we do you know and it's, it's disgusting the screams from those kids that, at, in the middle of the night was horrific god you know that's one of the most things that's one of the things that i'll that'll always be you know it'll always be in my mind in the back of my mind yeah it's like you know i have two little girls and it's like well not little girls they have they're, jesus christ 15 and 9 now but it's like you know it's it's just that's when I heard you say it was a failure, yeah, the objective was a failure, but we had our hands tied the whole entire time we were there, literally. You know, I swear to God, we got we got word from the higher ups, you know, Obama and all them, told the generals, hey, listen, this is what we want, this is what we're gonna do, this is the objective. They, the grenades, the grenade launches, the fifty caliber machine guns, everything was stripped from us mid deployment, six seven months in. You know, they came down with, with, with big totes with locks on them and said, hey, throw all your grenades, throw all your, all your flashbangs, throw everything, all your stun grenades, everything in this well, box. Doesn't that make you less safe in that situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we were only left, we were only left with what we had on us. You know, our, our, our uh, M4s with 5.56 five, ammo and then our M240 Bravos, which was the big, the big machine guns for like the squad size right. machine guns. And then the... Um, the M249s, which is like the step below, it shoots a 5.56, five, but 
it's a step below the, the, the squad machine gun, which is a 240 Bravo that shoots a 762. But it's like, you know, that's all we were left with to fight, to fight these guys. I mean, and, and it was, I don't know. I mean, we made it through. We lost, we lost eight guys, but it was like, you know, when I hit, you know, no offense, but when I hear people say that that wall was a failure, it just goes up my, my behind, you know. I understand. Sideways. Yeah. You know. But all right, I, sp- I spoke my mind tonight, Mark. <laughs> I, I appreciate your perspective, John. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. 508-996-0500. That's how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. I'm Marcus Farrow. Uh, this is South Coast Tonight. Uh, I'm going to hit the break now, and we'll be right back. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. A tree can be a warrior, battling global challenges with greater courage. A tree can be a solution, cleaning our air, supporting our communities, and protecting our wildlife. A tree can be noble, growing hope in every corner of the world. That's why now is the time for trees, millions of trees. Join our planting movement at arborday.org. Diane from Michigan, a disabled senior citizen trying to get by. Henry from Florida, a veteran fighting to make ends meet. Elena from Arizona, a mother struggling to feed her daughter. Hi, I'm Connie Britton, and I support Feeding America because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year, like Diane, Henry, and Elena. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. You don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or download their podcast. South Coast Tonight continues now. Hey, welcome back to the show. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Hello? Hello? Hey, Hey. what's up? Hey, I heard the veteran talk in a little, um, I just, what was he talking about, Iraq? Uh, He was in Afghanistan. Yeah, that, um, we were over there 20 years. I mean, um, mm-hmm. my father always said he was a Marine. He was interned in Vietnam. No war is a fun war, whether you win it or lose it. And he also says a lot of these politicians make these stupid calls that cost people to lose a battle. Or, and that guy's situation. Calls? He, he had to throw his. Yeah, they make. Like, oh, like decision, the decisions. Yeah, like for instance, okay. Vietnam, Hamburger Hill. The first battle, the Marines used the M16A1, and the guns were jamming. So they were taking the AK-47s, the enemy's weapon, and using them because the M16 was garbage back then. Mm-hmm. And in this case, Iraq, you had the M4, and they had a lot of problems with that. And they would prefer to have had used the M16A2s, but they were phasing them out and using the M4s. But 
Um, yeah, we won Iraq, I'd say, but I think that I wonder why we were really over there. Uh, we I don't uh, Iraq. I don't. I don't know how we. I don't yeah, know how that, that was won. Too. It's, it's kind of like the same. I don't know how that was won. I, I you know, I don't. They kind of go together. Because first we yeah. went to Iraq, and then we went to Afghanistan. No, it was the uh, reverse. We went to Afghanistan. Oh, was it reverse. Yeah, I believe uh, it was. But, I believe Afghanistan was in two thousand and one, and Iraq was in two thousand and three. And then um, they had the, I, the 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 surge in two thousand six, the Iraqi surge, um, and you know that was around the time yeah, of midterms. And then we had the first one in the early nineties where we were going to go for and pulled out. Yeah, Gulf War. That well, was largely seen as a, as a success. The Gulf War. Yeah. In fact, it looked like it for a time that George H.W. Uh, Bush was going to sail to re-election uh, because on the back uh, on the back of the Gulf War. But then, the economy did an oopsie, right? Yeah. And uh, that was that. And Bill Clinton came yeah. up. Bill Clinton came along and well, uh, played a the, saxophone. As far as the second um, Afghanistan War, Iraq War, yeah, we won that. I just don't know. Again, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand how that was won. At all, um, well, he's telling you they won. I tend to go by. He, what he said he no. What, what what he what the what the um, the caller said who was a veteran in the Afghanistan war. He said they weren't able to. You know, he said the the objectives that they were there to meet they weren't able to meet because they were being hamstrung by um, by the Obama administration essentially. That's um, what I'm talking about. Politicians getting involved. In talking war. about them having to lock up their heavier munitions and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, that happened in Vietnam. It happened in Korea. Mm -hmm. Even World War Two, there were some costly things that happened because of politicians making calls. And some of these guys have no idea what they're doing as far as war goes. That's why they have generals and stuff like that to make those calls. Because mm -hmm. they know what they're doing. But no war is a fun war, and they they teach them that in the service, and I'm sure that gentleman was taught that too. Oh, he was. Uh, I don't think he was complaining about how unfun it was. I think he was complaining about he went there to do something, and the federal government prevented their ability to do a lot, and to think yeah. he, the things that he had to endure because of it. I think that's what he was. I think that was his. I think that was the center of his. Um, of his grievance, not not that. Oh man, I thought it would be fun, and I, you know, I wasn't having a good time. I don't think that's what he said. No, I'm sure he wasn't having a good time. But anyway, hey, hey thanks for the call, man. I appreciate yeah, it. God, God bless that guy. Mm. Um, best of luck to him, and I hope he is able to live a normal life and not have to go through that again. Thanks for the call. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hello. Hey, hello. Uh, you had an earlier guest talking about Bernie Sanders and yeah. the founder of the uh, Very refreshing um, because it stirred my uh, embers and ashes, and I came up with Abby Hoffman. We had Abby Hoffman. She's dealing with Bernie Sanders. Uh, Abby Hoffman was uh, students for a democratic society, protest this, protest that, march on Boston Common everywhere. And uh, Bernie Sanders, he was kind of uh, sold out everybody. Because he was around in politics when Abby Hoffman invented yeah. himself. And, yeah, uh, Abby Hoffman was, Abby... was uh, for people who don't know, Abby Hoffman was like the hippie, essentially. He was the hippie. Yeah, and, he was like uh, the hippie, the flower power movement. When he, went, when he sold out, 
Uh, I left the SDS. I was a member. Uh, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> False prophets, all that. All, it all came. It all, it all happened in the 70s for me. And so anyway, so I was done with it. I uh, took six months, got my values together, got drafted in the meantime, wouldn't go drafted. I enlisted, took the full, full roll of the dice. I'm not going in drafted. Yeah. I'm not taking a mandated vaccine in the 21st century. Either. So anyway, long story short, back on topic. I go into the Army. He goes to Wall Street. Uh, I get my gun in uniform. Yeah, he, he gets his portfolio and his Brooks Brothers suit. And never the twain ever met again, me and Abby Hoffman. I didn't like him then. Uh, when you meet people, shake their hand. He was a grease ball, a slime ball. He was anything. He was the swamp before the swamp became known as the swamp. And this is what Bernie Sanders did. And uh, he sold out the party, Bernie Sanders. The woman was exactly correct. And so did Abby Hoffman. He sold out a very vibrant, energized youth that really, really was hungry to get involved in politics. I went extreme during the military. Others just turned their backs away. But there's one thing. There's one thing, though. There's always a Wall Street for these these so-called saviors of the poor, disenfranchised. And she was remarkable, remarkable uh, guest. I don't know how, uh, how you know her or where you found her, but uh, I am guarantee you, you fact-check her, she's 100%. And uh, it was refreshing. But the thing is, is that we're going through it again. When I heard the veteran calling, uh, uh, and he said that they took away uh, this and that and this and that and this and that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Obama wanted a pedestrian occupation over there, dressed up in military uh, garb. Totally. You talk about defunding the police. Obama basically defunded. You got your pay, but you didn't get all your skill sets and everything you were taught. You had no skill. You didn't have the tools. You didn't have the tools to uh, to show a presence, to show that you were there for business. And um, I saw. I, I thought that frustration came right through that guy's voice. And I'm glad he come back alive. I'm pushing 70 now, so I'm grandpa. I'm a grandpa. But I'm a living, walking museum of knowledge. But not the cobwebs. And I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing, sharing that knowledge uh, with us. Thanks for the well, call. I, I appreciate her hitting it spot on. Every generation has one. It was Abby Hoffman for me. She's got her Bernie Sanders. But Bernie carries all the way through that timeline. Bernie's in that. even going way back to Abby Hoffman. I just wanted to get that in. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Get Bernie, there's actually a picture of Bernie Sanders being arrested um, at a protest, a uh, civil rights protest, as a matter of fact. Um, and he was uh, at the march in Washington as well. So he was around at that time. Um, so, uh, I got some app chat messages asking who that is. Uh, Sabrina Salvati, uh, she is the host of the Savvy Sabs podcast. You can check her out. This podcast will be available at the end of the hour and you can re-listen, um, and catch her name and, and, uh, uh, again, if you'd like, but Sabrina Salvati, um, I appreciate her, her perspective. Uh, we got another app chat message. Bernie Sanders is all fluff and no stuff. Sorry. It took you all for a ride. I don't believe he ever intended to be president. He was just having himself a good time and appeared to be grateful when Hillary was willing to get down and dirty too and hijack the election. I don't think that's true. I, listen, I, I don't. I appreciate Sabrina's perspective. I, I don't think Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie Sanders. If you're gonna, I think, gonna criticize Bernie Sanders uh, how he handled himself post uh, primary loss in both times. I think you can categorize it as naivete. I don't think it's necessarily. 
charlatanry, right? I think it's just being more naive. He's always been, um, you know, he was in Congress. Uh, he got elected as an independent in 90, 1990. He, you know, got major leadership um, positions in the in in the uh, Democratic Party chair of the Senate Budget Committee. Um, had his hands all over the ARPA, um, all over that ARPA legislation and the infrastructure bill. I uh, was chair of uh, Veterans Affairs uh, for some time. I don't know what he, I think he's chair of um, healthcare, labor, pensions, et cetera. Um, I think he's just always been a believer of, uh, you know, at least getting something done, incrementalism, moving the needle. Because uh, he's been pretty steadfastly committed throughout most of his life to the, or all, actually his entire life to the things that he was committed to during his 2016 run. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I just, I don't know if he, you know, at age, because it was at age 80 or 70 in his late seventies, you know, is when he ran, I think he was like 76 when he first ran, maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah. 74, 75, whatever around there, mid, mid to late seventies. I don't know if he'll decided like, okay, it's time to cash in now. I, I mean, you know, it is a legitimate criticism that he gave his his donor list to the DNC to the DNC because I'm still getting text messages from, hey, it's Kamala Harris, hey, it's Catherine Cortez Masto. I'm, you know, I gotta beat Adam. What's his face? She ended up winning. What's his name? Adam. God, what's his? See, I forgot because he's a loser. He lost. The attorney general from Nevada who ran against Catherine Cortez Masto. Laxalt, Adam Laxalt. You know, I get all those text messages. Hey, this is Jim Clyburn, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's a legitimate criticism. But I just think it's for Bernie Sanders, I think it's more naivete than 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 being like a charlatan. I just think that that's what he believes in getting done what he can get done. And um, you know, doing the best he can to move things in that direction. Uh, even if it's incrementally, it's better than nothing. I think that's more of his perspective, and you can call it naive. Um, you can even call it obsequious. And I don't think those are unfair criticisms uh, of Bernie, um, uh, of Bernie Sanders. And I support, I supported Bernie Sanders. I still generally do support Bernie Sanders in, um, you know, in, in what he tries to do, uh, you know. So 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. We can also take your messages. We got um, more messages on the uh, WBSM app chat and get to, I'll get to in the nine o'clock hour because we're running up against a break as well. So uh, I think what I'll do is um, if you want to call it, I'm going to, I'm going to hold the calls for now. I'm going to hold the app chat messages for now and what I'll do is I'll take this break and then we'll be back uh, and then we'll, 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 we'll carry this on to the nine o'clock hour. So stay tuned.